Unmute myself. It's something my wife would really like, a mute button for me. Uh, sorry, that was all right. So we're going to look at Nehemiah this morning, okay? Nehemiah from the Old Testament. And uh, do you know he was the shortest bloke in the Bible? Shortest bloke in the Bible? Nehemiah. Oh, come on. That was my best dad joke. <laughs> no? <laughs> Yeah, he was short, just behind Bernie. Uh, so anyway, sorry, mate. <laughs> so we're going to look at Nehemiah this morning. Nehemiah is a fantastic character, it really is. And the story is actually one uh, that we can take such a lot from. Uh, there's so many things that I've pulled out of it this week that for my own personal reflection, but actually for us this morning as well as a church, okay? So the Israelites, they're in exile, Okay, they've been kicked out of Jerusalem, they've been ransacked many, many times, and uh, lots of the, uh, the Jews basically were driven from their homeland after disobeying God quite a lot of times. Okay, so they were kicked out of their land. Now, Nehemiah wasn't a priest, he wasn't a prophet, but he had a key job for the Persian king. And the king's called Artaxerxes, which isn't that easy saying, trust me, my teeth nearly fell out. Uh, in the city of Susa, which actually is in modern-day Iran. Okay? So a very, very uh, powerful job. But we're going to come on to that in a minute. Okay? Just hold that thought. Um, Nehemiah, whilst he's there, is visited by his brother. Um, family visit a lot, don't they? And uh, his brother and some others came to Nehemiah and said to Nehemiah, things are terrible in Jerusalem, absolutely awful. Okay, he says, how are the Israelites there in Jerusalem? And he said, it is awful. The city gates are burnt to pieces. The walls are completely knocked down. They're in a mess. They're in serious trouble and disgrace. How does Nehemiah react? Well, if you've ever read Nehemiah, it's one of real kind of reflection. The first thing he did is it says he wept, he cried, he cried for Jerusalem. The next thing he does is he mourns, he's mourning, and then he fasts, he stops eating food, he's thinking about Jerusalem, and then he prays. And Norbert's going to come and read uh, basically Nehemiah's prayer that he says right in Nehemiah 1. So Norbert, would you like to... Uh, come and read this prayer and just, just listen to how Nehemiah reacts in this prayer. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you can, with to um, Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 10. Reading from verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, 
the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Amen. Nehemiah saw a huge problem. He's in a faraway land and he sees his home town, his home city destroyed. And um, I don't know about you, but I've had problems in my life and I've tried to fix them. And it hasn't always worked. I haven't wept over certain things. I haven't mourned and I certainly haven't fasted. And guess what? Sometimes I haven't prayed. And those problems sometimes seem to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just wonder, actually, um, if we need to take, for for starters, a little bit of of something here from Nehemiah, that he doesn't try and work things out on his own and try and fix things. The first thing he does is he has that sorrow and he prays. And what a prayer it is. And he prays a confession for all of Israel. He himself, not a prophet, not a priest, he says, Father, forgive my people, I'm sorry for what our people have done. And I just want us to spend a minute just in quiet reflection, maybe thinking of a problem that you face at this moment or someone you know that might have a problem. If you can't think of anything, then, then what Bernard said in the notices of, of maybe some of those families that are grieving and certainly uh, for the Cotton family at this moment. Just, we don't have to pray, just be thinking of what that problem is. I'm going to play some music and then sing again. Now, when Norbert read that passage, there's a little bit at the end uh, that actually says, I was cupbearer to the king very important job. Does anybody know what a cupbearer is, who a cupbearer is, what they do? Adults, don't mind. They, so they drink the wine to make sure that it's not poisoned for the king. What a great job that is. Yeah, exactly. Not if there's poison in it. Oh, there goes another one. That was an open contract job. I think that was zero hours job, that one. (laughs) Um, So this is a really, really important job, okay? A really, really important job. Um, He tasted the the wine, the drink, whatever it was, to make sure it wasn't poisoned, okay? It was also more than that. Uh, The cupbearer had to be somebody that king, the king, greatly trusted, 
greatly trusted because he could be the cupbearer that poisons the king. So it had to be someone of trust. And what normally happens with those cupbearers, they become uh, the confidant. They become the number two. They become the person that this king goes to for advice and guidance. If I can trust them with my drink, I can trust them with some decisions. So actually, Nehemiah became a very, very powerful person in the greatest empire around at the time. Now then, I'd like to do a little game, if that's possible. Who trusts me? Thank you, Paul. I'll, I'll, thank you for your... Oh, you don't. I'll oh, bless you. That's fine, because I've already chosen a couple of victims. Oh, uh, one of them, I'm really glad he's here this morning, is Phil Walker. If he'd like to come to the front, I'd really appreciate that. And the other one is Giles Goodeve. They're both here. I was praying that one would be here. I've got both. It's fantastic. It really is. Okay. So there is a... Yeah, give them a round of applause. Now, fellas, we've known each other quite a long time, haven't we? (laughs) Nervous laughter, I love it. Do you trust me? Yes, Gary. Yes. Do you trust me? Yes. Do you trust me? Would you like a drink, Kings? Would you like a drink? You'd love a drink, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, no, that's the wrong one. Hang on. That's the one with the poison in. Oh, I've got to get these right. I can never black or white. Never. Oh, Phil, why would I do something like that? That's really evil. I wouldn't do that, would I? I wouldn't put something in someone's coffee for them, would I? I wouldn't do that because I'm a trustworthy person. I really am. Now then. You sure you want to do this? <laughs> you trust me, yeah? I'm a, I'm a man of character, of honour. Yes. Yeah? I wouldn't ever put anything in... Yeah, cheeky. I wouldn't put anything in anyone's coffee when they're really looking forward to it first thing in the morning at Soul Survivor, a youth camp with young people who's had three hours sleep, if I'm lucky. About, don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> whilst, whilst, yeah, so I trust Phil and I trust... I trust Phil... Um, and <laughs> Giles, I'm not sure. Yeah, coffee, just, not tea. No, it's coffee. It's a cup of coffee there. Okay. Well, drink it, well. Oh, yeah, it's what the idea is. I am the cupbearer. I, I give you the kings. Have a nice. It, have I tried it? No, no, you've got to try it first. Yeah, I tried. No, I tried it. I made it. I know I made it. All right, I'll try it. It tastes all right. Yeah, because I'm a trustworthy person, Phil. <laughs> There's exactly the amount of sugars you like yeah, in it. All right? So, you know, enjoy. I'll tell you what, why don't you take the rest of it and you can take your seat. That's Thank fine. You Thank much. you very much. Giles, do you like sugar in coffee? No, I don't. But, but there you go. You can sit down well, and take that as well. Thanks. You know, thanks. you trust. See, I'm a trustworthy person. I'm not going to do anything to spike their coffee ever. Unlike they did to me last year at Soul Survivor. The scary thing was that Giles wasn't even there. He had phoned Phil and my son Josh (laughs) at stupid o'clock in the morning and saying, Gary loves a coffee with Marmite in. (laughs) Now, to me, that is poison. 
To me, I'd rather drink arsenic than Marmite. No, that's not true. Uh, but do you know what? This is the thing that, that, that Nehemiah was so trustworthy. All right? It's a really key uh, thing to us to remember. So Nehemiah, um, he comes to the king uh, with a sad face. And he says to the king, uh, and the king says to him, why look so downcast? You're not ill. What's wrong? What is wrong with you? And uh, I'm going to read this, the second part of Nehemiah here. It's Nehemiah 4, uh, sorry, Nehemiah 2, 4 to 10. So if you still get your Bibles, keep them open there. The king said to me, what is it you want? He said, I prayed to the God of heaven and answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favour in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my father, fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, it's a bit cheeky this, may I have letters to the governors of Trans Euphrates so that they can provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah? May I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the uh, king's forest, so he can give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy? And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent uh, army officers and cavalry with me. It says, when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard this, they were much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. This guy, Nehemiah, had such high status that the king not only gave him letters that he'd have safe passage... He also sent his army and his cavalry with him, and he gave him all the timber of the king's forest. So Iran built Jerusalem's walls. He built everything. All of the stuff that the king had said, yes. You ask sometimes why we go through trials, why the Israelites went through exile. And God was saying, because I'm going to use the most powerful empire to rebuild my city. The most powerful empire is going to be rebuild my city. And you're going to do it. Okay? You're going to do it. So it's amazing that Nehemiah has got such um, uh, respect from the king that he can go and do it. Now, he arrives in Jerusalem. He surveys the scene. It's a mess. It's like a child's bedroom after a sleepover. Or after a massive Lego build. Just... Everything, everywhere, and everyone's thinking, how are we going to tidy this up? That's what Jerusalem was like at the time. It was an absolute mess. And he inspects the walls, and he says to the people, what's going on? What's happened? It's a mess. And he rallies them, and he says, we can rebuild these walls. We can rebuild them. I was, I was looking at a few clips on YouTube of these inspiring kind of heroic speeches like William Wallace did in Braveheart and the president gave in Independence Day and all those films that none of the younger ones have heard of. And uh, it was just, you know, those speeches. And I, I don't know if Nehemiah kind of did that kind of puffed out chest kind of, this is it, guys. I don't know. But I tell you what, the scripture tells us that the people responded and they said, let 
us rebuild. Not you, let us rebuild. It was a collective. The people of Jerusalem, the people of Israel said, let us rebuild. And the rebuild was done in family groups, which leads us nicely into our next segment. I need some families. Who's up for a bit of excitement this morning? Jamie's already said no. (laughs) I'm not doing that. Who's up for some family? It's family, well, it shouldn't be family versus family, but we're going to do family Pictionary wall building. <laughs> I'll bring out some great games. I thought this up myself. So we'll have the good eaves because they're looking all around the room like that. Go on. And we'll have the Fullertons because they're right down the front and it's nice and easy. Um, so what I'd like us to do is obviously each time you get a correct um, picture. Actually, I'll stick that up here. All right. You can start building your wall with a brick, which there's some there and you've got some over there, all right? So this is good stuff, you're going to enjoy this, all right? So I need, I need a scribe, I need something, I'll show them the things. Now you've got the whiteboard over here because we haven't got another one of those. Um, I wonder if someone could hold it for them on a chair or something. Simon, would you better hold it on a chair? Preferably facing that way so that people can pick up things. Thank you. All right, are we ready to play this game? It's going to be... Oh. Everyone's quiet over there. Are you ready? Have you got a pen? Right, okay. So are you, Christine, you're, you're drawing. Who's drawing over there, Michelle? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I asked the question, just to help you out. So um, if you'd like to, to, to come over here so that the others can't, your family can't see. So that's your first one. Okay. Michelle, you need to come and see it. You can't just draw anything. And that's your first one. All right, go. This is, this is like time, you know. And then the bricks are there for you to start building bricks. Clues in what I just said. Bricks, excellent. Start building your wall. How's it going over there? You struggling? I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, it's the next one. The clue might be in the storage aisles. That's all I'm going to say. Cup, excellent, they're flying over here, doing really well. Uh, next one, there you go. Oh, are you doing the next one? I thought... You're doing it, come on. Yeah, you've got to do all of them, Mitchell. That's why I said, are you sure? Uh, that one. What? No. I haven't made it really hard. Oh. Stalling a little bit here. Yeah, thank you. Oh dear. Right, deal with that one. Oh my god. I thought this would be quick. I did the most simple ones I could think of. That's not you, that's him. What are you doing? That one. That one. Oh, gosh. 
See, I'm making it equally <laughs> as hard. I'm not. How's the brick? How's the wall going? Okay, you've got five. That's good. That's good. I've got ten each, and we've got all morning. Think who does the building? Someone said it. Bob the Builder. builder. There you go. Well done. Don't know who he is. That one. You're catching up. You're catching up. They're catching up. Five, six. Come on. You've only got this and three more. Remember, the clue is in the story we're looking at. Yes, well done. Who told you that? Oh. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. Come on, you've only got... Come on. Seven. Um, oh, hello. They've got the easy ones now. Oh. <laughs> Come on. Wow. You are neck and neck. It is neck and neck. She's so close. The clue is in what we're talking about. Nehemiah went there. <laughs> Come on, kids, help your dad out. Anybody, anybody know what that might be? He said it with him. Oh, what was it? Right, last one. They're on the last one. You're on the last one. Come on. Come on. Army winners! Oh! Well done, Fullertons. Well done. So, are you done over there? You just... Do you know, it was so close. It was so close. I I equally gave easy ones and hard ones. I'm sorry, I was trying to be nice, but, you know. So, it was... Actually, it was the families that, that actually started to rebuild the walls. Right, it was the families that started to rebuild the walls. Wear the walls. What? Walls. Walls for ants, maybe. What? Is they're, they're, they're good. They're, they're tiny. What? They're good ones. Oh, I can do that in my sleep. Oh, come on. Right. Walls for mice. What? Actually, they are, but no, that's not the point. No, no, they're good walls. The families have built these walls. Right, okay. Okay. We see what's going on here, can't we? I need another family. Hancock's, can you just come and, and be there? It's okay, it's okay. Because if, if as families you can stand up and face the congregation, if you as families can stand and face the congregation, good eves. If you want to stand, at, yeah, God, dear. Don't work with children or good eves. All right? So... These families, oh, hello. These families that were building the walls had threat daily from the enemies of God. 
So they had to have other families that guarded them whilst they worked. Now, for health and safety, I'm not getting out the swords and the spears, so I thought I'd raid the kitchen. And um, don't want the... Oh, yeah, oh. Mickey Mouse, there we go. Anyway, so shields, all right? Do you want another one? There you go. Okay. Yeah, you make a real noise with that. No, don't make a real noise. And this is what happened. So whilst you don't know, no, because you're building the walls. You're building the walls, you see. No, stop it. This lot, right. You, you can try now if you want. And that's what Nehemiah did. He said, okay, but these families, they could get taken at any point. Right? And actually, some families were, were carrying stuff in one hand with a sword in another. Right? And, and all of the enemies of God, they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. They realised that actually, these walls are going to be built well. Because we've got God on our side. All right? We've got God on our side. Thank you very much, families. You've done a great show and tell. Just leave them on the floor. I'm sure we'll use them as instruments later. Nothing's ever simple. Okay. So, Nehemiah had a lot of opposition. Okay? We get a lot of opposition in life, don't we? There are things that go on in our lives where we as families, we as a church, are trying to rebuild things, are trying to build things in our own lives. And sometimes we just feel... Uh, that the enemy's just having a go left, right and centre. That's where we need to rely on our church family in a big way. I really believe that. And Nehemiah saw this and he saw that other families could support. And we know, obviously, at the moment, there are some families that desperately need our support. Now, what happened in Jerusalem was that uh, the walls were rebuilt in 52 days. And the gates, the walls and the gates, the people rallied round and they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. They still had opposition. They still had people on their megaphones shouting at them. They still had uh, kind of the opposition. The people didn't like it. In fact, they had some people from within their own walls that were kind of friends with the enemies that were kind of backbiting from within, within inside Jerusalem. And Nehemiah just stood strong. And one of the things he started to do, says in scripture, that he found out that the people that owned a lot of the money in Jerusalem, the nobles, the rich people, they'd actually kind of like taxed the poor people of their own land, etc., and were charging them extortionate rates. And Nehemiah's like, what are you doing? These are your people. These are so poor and you're still hurting them. No more. No more. And actually, the nobles stopped and they actually gave land back. And actually, one of the things, one of the first things that Nehemiah does is he helps the poor. He helps the needy. And, and we as a church, you know, it's something that may, we need to think a lot more about. We are very good, I think, at, at looking outwards. Um, and I look at our mission board at the back there. And I'm blessed as I look at it and think about people that are in certain countries that are helping the most needy. It was great uh, a month or so ago when Carol and Ginny came and shared a little bit about the stuff that they're doing in the Congo. Oh my goodness me. 
They're real life Nehemiahs. They are rebuilding people's lives. That's what Nehemiah's about. We can take that story of Nehemiah and look at actually us ourselves and say, where are we rebuilding people's lives? People that maybe are spiritually poor, physically poor, emotionally poor. Where are we doing that as real life Nehemiahs? Okay? And like I said, Nehemiah still had opposition. He still had opposition. But it pretty much faded away when the walls were rebuilt in 52 days. And what happened then is the exiles returned. The promise of the prayer that Nehemiah had prayed. He said, you have scattered us because we've disobeyed. But we are obeying you. We are doing your commands. And you're gathering these people back. It was amazing. So in summing up this morning, the story of Nehemiah is quite familiar to us. We've heard it before. There are loads of different parts of it that we can pull out of looking after the poor, standing together as families, looking out for one another, leadership, oh my goodness me. You know, for me, looking at Nehemiah and the boldness that he had, but also the fact that you pray first. Don't try and fix it yourself. Pray first, and God gives his resources, his resources to rebuild whatever you're doing. Think about that in our daily lives. This is a story of restoration, of strong leadership, of dealing with opposition. I think it's also a good message for us as a church. And I shared that with Ian this week. I said I actually feel like we are rebuilding the church here in Billericay, Billericay Baptist Church. We've gone through some tough times over many years. I've been here 14 years now. now some of you a lot longer. God is still faithful. We make mistakes. We've made mistakes as church, as leaders. We've made mistakes as individuals. But as a church family, I believe when we support one another, when we pray for each other, there's still room for improvement. There's loads of room for improvement. But I actually this week have been really encouraged by those that have gathered to pray for a family that's in need right now in our church. When, when people have opened up this church and said, we're going to pray for Amelia, and I've heard of people turning up. Unfortunately, I was in Belgium at the time, couldn't quite get here. But it was just, for me, it was a rise of faith that actually, when we're called to pray, this church prays. Do we pray like that in everyday life, though? Not just when there's a crisis. Do we pray at that level? I think we do well for those uh, in poverty, whether it's spiritual, socially or financial. But there will be room for improvement. There's a lot of stuff going on in Billericay that's behind closed doors. Not just talking about poverty, we're talking about spiritual poverty, emotional poverty. Where do we step in? Where do we become real-life Nehemiahs uh, to these people? Do you know, when the wall had been rebuilt, it says Nehemiah gathered the people to worship they read the law and they worshipped. We need to gather. It's important for us to be together as church family, to worship God together, to be nurtured by one another, to be encouraged. The day we start saying church isn't for me is the day we've forgotten that we are the bride of Christ. We matter. There's no plan B. 
The church is Jesus' plan for salvation and the kingdom uh, to come. So we need to work more on when we worship, when we pray. And the thing that I love is Nehemiah's prayer at the beginning. He confessed the sins of the people to God. But after the wall was rebuilt when they worshipped, the people themselves repented. The people themselves said sorry for what they'd done. And maybe, maybe that's something corporately we need to consider as we move forward as a, CI, as a church looking at a CIO, that actually we need to look maybe back at some of the things we've done and, and not, not reflect on them, but just say, God, we're so sorry. We're so sorry for the attitudes we maybe have had and the things that we've done. It's certainly something that I uh, pray as a leader. The people made promises. They took up roles in Jerusalem. Maybe God's calling certain people to hear, to commit to what we're doing as a church. You know, we're a small church, actually, to be honest with you. When you look at other churches around uh, the country and in the world, we're actually a small church. And, and it's not a huge town. But there's a lot of people that live in this town. This is how mission field, where you work, is your mission field, your school, your college is your mission field. Are we committed to doing this as a church? That goes for all ages, goes for all ages. We've got young ambassadors for Christ here this morning. I love it. Right? We need to do this together as family. Earlier we reflected on some of the problems we might face. I want to pray for us all now. I want to pray for those problems. Uh, we haven't got time to pray for all of them. And actually, some of them you may not want to publicly share. But can I urge you, if there is a problem that is in your life right now, that you share that with someone you trust. If as a family you need to uh, get alongside another family that's struggling, right? can, I, can I urge you to do that? Don't just like shelve it. Don't just like, oh, well, we prayed that and that's fine. You know, seek God on this. Seek, seek help of people with saucepans and, and, and things that will, will help you fight whatever opposition you have. So just as, as we finish and before we sing our last song, let me pray. For everyone here this morning. Father God, I want to thank you for uh, the truths of the book of Nehemiah. Father, I want to thank you for his faithfulness to you. Father, I want to thank you for his leadership, of his, his bravery, his courage, as he asked the king for help. Father, we thank you for placing him in such a place that he was able to restore Jerusalem. And Father, I pray for each one of us now, as Nehemiah prayed uh, the problem that he had, uh, he mourned, he wept, he fasted. Father, I pray for each person here, each problem uh, that each person has brought here this morning. God, you are a God who likes to answer prayer. And I pray in Jesus' name, Father, for an answer, for a yes, for a no, for a wait and see. Uh, Father God, for those that are mourning, we pray, Lord, that you would bring peace. Father, we pray especially right now for the Cotton family, for Amelia. Father God, as she lies in that hospital, God, would you guard her with your angels. Father, would you restore her health to her now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, for all other issues and problems that we have got, Lord, we come to you. We offer them to you. We pray, Lord, that you would help Give us strength individually as families. 
Father, as a family church, as we move forward, I pray uh, your blessing upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.